I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. When I was seven years old, I had my dream birthday party a skate city roller rink birthday party that included all of my best friends, a giant cookie cake, and of course, the highlight of the skate city birthday party a ride in the big skate. Basically, they would put you inside a giant skate on four wheels, you and a friend of your choosing, and the roller rink manager, referee, whatever you call the adult on the roller rink court would push you around the rink while this like techno electronic dance mix of happy birthday played. I was so excited and I climbed into the big skate and my best friend Mary Beth climbed in after me. We rode around the rink and as soon as we stopped and I started to climb out of the giant skate and my friends were all standing there cheering, I saw one of my friends standing there with a bit of a sour look on her face. She was not very pleased that I had chosen Mary Beth and not her. We all went and cut the cake and started opening presents and then a little while later went back over to the roller rink for continued skating fun. And about five minutes or so into the second round of skating, I took a tumble and landed on my chin. When I looked up, I noticed that Emily, my friend who'd had the sour look on her face, was standing suspiciously close. I'll never know for sure if she pushed me or not. What I do know is that I fell on my chin and busted it wide open, blood everywhere. Fortunately, my friend Abby was there and her dad had come with her and Dr. Buddy was a dentist. And so he took a quick look at it determined that everything seemed to be okay. My teeth didn't seem too rattled. It was just a bit of blood because anytime you get a cut on your face, there tends to be a lot of blood. Put a couple of butterfly bandages on it and we called it a day. But the big thing was, and he kept saying this over and over to my parents, you need to make sure that she doesn't mess with it because if she keeps picking at the scab that's going to form, the scar will just get bigger and bigger. And so for a few weeks, Every day, my parents would consistently remind me, don't touch your face, don't touch your face, don't touch your face, don't touch your face. Because right there on the bottom of my chin, I can still feel the scar to this day, was this little bump, this little cut, because I'd landed squarely on my jaw when Emily did or did not push me. I think back to that conversation pretty frequently. Make sure she doesn't mess with it or it's going to leave a bigger scar. Pretty solid advice for both facial wounds from a seven-year-old who was angry that you didn't invite her to ride in the giant skate, as well as all the other wounds that we tend to carry in our life. We shouldn't mess with them. We shouldn't pick at them because it's just going to make the healing all the harder and make the scar all the uglier. Now, I'm using this extended metaphor for three minutes now to try to lead into this very simple point that a lot of us carry a lot of wounds. And sometimes they're wounds that we just ignore and pretend that they're not there. And sometimes they're wounds that we, we really need to take a look at. Sometimes they're wounds that we consistently go back to and pick off the scab again and again, and the healing never actually is able to occur. And sometimes it's scars that have formed after many, many years and they're, they're these gigantic scars that are visible to other people or maybe even only felt by ourselves. You wouldn't be able to tell I have this this scar on the bottom of my chin unless I I somehow stuck my face up close to yours and you were able to look at it. But I can feel it if I just rub my, my finger underneath my chin. See, there's so many different types of wounds. There's so many types of different scars. There's so many different types of healing. 
And at the end of the day, every single one of us is looking for freedom from the bleeding wounds that a lot of us tend to carry. This week, as we dig into another round of reflections with Sister Miriam James Heidland's book, Restore, we start to really dig into that concept of freedom from our wounds. I remember all of the details of that day that I fell because it caused a wound that has left a scar that has stayed with me since. And sometimes it's a physical wound on the bottom of our chin, and sometimes it's a wound within our heart, sometimes a wound from a relationship, sometimes a wound it maybe even feels like from Christ or from the church, sometimes a wound that we can't really explain but that we know is there, and how we find freedom from those hurts. Well, that's, that's a concept and that's a component of healing that really needs to be dug into. Not just in a book, although that's an excellent way to begin, but with an expert who literally has spent his life working in the realm of healing. Dr. Bob Schutz is the guy behind the amazing work done at the JP2 Healing Center, a retreat center that offers healing retreats, that offers uh, conferences, that does a lot of training in the, in the world of the, of the healing that so many people need. Sister Miriam works very closely with Dr. Bob Schutz. And we were so lucky to get to sit down and chat with him about what is healing and what is freedom in the context of healing and how can it be found. Dr. Bob shares very vulnerably and beautifully, giving us great insight into what freedom is and what it's not and what freedom in the healing process and the restoration process can actually look like. This is all part of our Ave Explorers series, Digging Into Lent and Sister Miriam's Reflection book. You can grab a copy of that over at AveMariaPress.com. We'd highly recommend getting a copy. And as you listen to these podcasts each week, you'll certainly greatly benefit from being able to read along with the book. On top of that, we'd love it if you'd sign up for our emails. You'd get those emails every single Sunday. You won't miss an episode. You won't miss a single video from Sister Miriam James Heidland's Reflection Series, as well as info about who's joining us on Instagram Live every Monday. This coming week, we have Chanel Shaw, the host of Ave Spotlight, sitting down with us to talk about Lent and healing and restoration. You can find all of that, like I said, over at AveMariaPress.com. But for right now, we'd love it if you'd sit back and enjoy this conversation with Dr. Bob Schutz about healing and freedom. Well, Dr. Bob Schutz, welcome to Ave Explorers. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Katie. It's good to be with you. It's always nice to meet people that you admire. I've, I've long read your books and listened to your podcasts, and I, it's such a treat to get to sit down and talk to you. Can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do and, and where you are, where you're coming to us today? Yeah, well, I live in Tallahassee, where I'm the founder of the John Paul II Healing Center, and we put on conferences for the whole church, healing conferences and equipping conferences. And I am a father and grandfather and widower right now. I'm my wife died four years ago, so we were married 42 years. Wow. Both my children and my, I have great sons-in-law and 10 grandchildren. So they all live a couple miles from me. So a brother and a sister and their families live around. So wow. And we have a great community here in Tallahassee. What got you interested in doing this healing work? Was it something you always had in your brain when you were in school or, or did it did something kind of trigger that in your life? Both. I think it started without me being aware of it with some of the trauma in my own family, uh, with my parents divorcing and my dad's infidelity that just kind of blew apart what appeared to be a very strong Catholic family with seven children and my parents involved in the church. 
And so it took me 20 years to really look at and begin my own healing process. Mm. I, was, I was a therapist and a teacher up until then. I studied psychology and marriage and family in school and was a therapist and teaching college and graduate classes and doing seminars, but I had never really walked into my own healing process. And it was a combination of beginning to deal with a lot of anxiety that I found out was deeper than that. It was connected to the pain I hadn't dealt with. And that helped me really realize that the things on the surface aren't always the the real issue. They're just symptoms of a deeper problem. And and it's always hard to face because nobody really wants to face pain. So I had that prompting me to go into therapy. And then I had a really powerful spiritual experience. I realized that the importance of the Holy Spirit in the healing process. Mm-hmm. You know, I had been studying psychological healing and emotional healing, but then I began to study spiritual healing in the Gospels and otherwise. And that that really changed things because I could see the impact of inviting people into prayer and inviting Jesus into those areas where we suffer and experience it in my own life and wanted everybody to experience that. So eventually that led into John Paul II Healing Center. John Paul II was a great influence in terms of theology and understanding of the human person and how to understand these areas where we need uh, restoration and what the vision of wholeness looks like uh, was really important from him. You mentioned that nobody likes to confront pain. And I I think that's just kind of a, it's a universal principle, but then sometimes we get these, you know, like I'll make reference to it because it's on my brain. We just got a Peloton bike and I was doing a class the other night and the coach like literally said, face the pain, like (laughs) lean into the pain. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to, like everything hurts right now. And then recognize that if I can just push through, you know, it's like it's biking. So like, you got to get through this hill And it'll, yeah. it'll go smoothly after the fact. So it's like in this moment, I can embrace this pain of the burn because then I'm going to get to a flat part again. And I'm going to be satisfied that I did that. And in the spiritual life, I go to therapy every six weeks. It's great. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, I don't want to talk about this thing, but I know when I talk about this thing, I'm going to come out on the other side and I'm going to be grateful I talked about this thing. Why do we avoid it when we know that on the other side of it, there's there's something good and there's that healing? What, what do you think triggers us to not want to deal with it? Well, I think there's a there's a healthy part of that. I think, you know, John Paul II talks about suffering as an experience of evil. You know, it's a it's an absence of a good. And I think there's a natural instinct to avoid pain and to desire pleasure. Mm-hmm. However, to quote Sister Miriam, who says this often, suffering that's not transformed is transmitted. So if we don't face the suffering, we end up passing it on, the spiritual and emotional mm-hmm. suffering that we experience. And I remember, this is actually as my wife was getting sick and before she was dying, that a quote from Jacques Philippe that left a deep impression on me. It was in his book, Interior Freedom. Mm. It said something to the effect of, it's not suffering itself that harms us. It's the fear of suffering. Mm. And he says the fear of suffering hardens us, causes us to withdraw from relationship and closes us off to grace. But Entering into the suffering and not being afraid of it can transform us and heal us. And so, you know, in the church, we talk about redemptive suffering and, mm-hmm. you know, joining our suffering with Jesus' suffering. And all of a sudden, then suffering becomes a means of, of greater openness to love and greater capacity to love and 
it becomes an act of love. And so that becomes the motivation. You know, the motivation is I want to experience being more fully alive, and I want to experience being able to love people more freely. And I think so for that reason, it's silly and unproductive and and unhelpful Mm -hmm. to not walk into our suffering. Although, you know, there's a natural repulsion. We don't want to hurt. (laughs) Right, right. Father gave the analogy of the desert is a place where a lot gets drummed up because it's not necessarily safe, right? Like the desert is wild and who knows? I mean, Jesus was tempted in the desert. And so Lent, it almost kind of seems counterintuitive. Like why why would the church lead us into a wild experience? (laughs) But it's to get to that cross and to be able to stand at that cross and then to get to Easter Sunday morning. Sister's whole second week is about freedom. And it almost seems strange. It's like, wait, I'm going into the desert. I know it's going to be hard. I'm going to get free right away. We've we've asked this of of all of our guests so far. The word of the of the week essentially is freedom. When I say the word freedom, what does that mean to you? And and how do you unpack that word in your life, in your ministry, and, and for our listeners? Yeah, freedom is having the chains of the emotional and spiritual bondage come off. You know, I think it's freedom from the barriers that keep us from loving. It's freedom from our fears. It's freedom from the sins that keep us bound up. It's freedom from the wounds that keep us in identity lies that keep us, you know, sister teaches with us on all of our conferences. And so she's such a great example and a witness to walking into those places in freedom. And what we've been finding is we've been doing conferences since COVID is COVID has been a desert for, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been in two years of Lent, so to speak. That's what it feels like. Yeah. (laughs) And it's really amazing how, much more open people are coming in mm. just because of COVID, just because of what they've suffered through this period of time in taking away the normal coping me- mechanisms and the normal ways of, of dealing with things and people having to face the isolation and fear that we're going through and the, and the, the breaking of the routines. And so I think there's a certain freedom from our attachments that we have that happens in Lent. And then that gets us down to the areas of our hearts that we've been running from, that, you know, the areas that we don't want to face. And mm-hmm. and those are what we call the seven deadly wounds in addition to our sins. You said freedom from, there's also freedom to, right? Like when I'm free from Amen. something, I can, I can freely choose to love. I can freely choose to serve. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I think if we're aware, our greatest desire is to love and be loved, to be in communion. And it's these barriers that keep us from communion. So we're free to love God and to have and to experience God's love, and then we're free to love each other. And so that's worth it. I mean, that's where joy is. You know, that's why the saints often talk about joy coming through suffering. It's the joy of opening our hearts to love. Mm -hmm. It's such a hard thing to do, though. I mean, to go back to that original conversation of like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk about the wounds or the the suffering that I've experienced in my life, even though I know it's going to lead me to be free. How, how can people start? I'm in the desert. I've got this book in my hand. I'm listening to this podcast. And I remember this thing from my, you know, my adolescence that I like really hurt me, like really wounded me. How can I, how can I start to dig into that? I think the thing that helps most is starting with communion rather than starting with pain. So we become aware of here's this, area of my life that I don't want to deal with. And communion can be both focusing on Jesus in prayer and Mm -hmm. inviting 
this to be in communion with him and or Blessed Mother St. Joseph, however we do that in our prayer time, but also communion with other people. I find it always consoling when there's somebody else. It's harder sometimes because you're now opening something to something, somebody that, you know, you've got to trust them there. But it's really consoling to have somebody understand and walk with you and be with you and let you know it's going to be okay, particularly somebody that's been there, which is Jesus has been there. And so because he's been there, he's not afraid of our suffering. Mm -hmm. And if we have people around us who have been there, and again, this is where Sister Miriam's such a great witness. She's walked through so much. She's not afraid. And so she actually embraces it with joy and gives you confidence. And, you know, even in going through the book, you know, it gives you confidence. Is this going to be okay? This is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps a lot mm-hmm. to face it. But then, then it's just realizing there's grace in this. There's goodness in this. You know, all the things we fear mm-hmm. in our suffering aren't going to be realized. What's going to be realized is freedom and joy and love. Mm-hmm. In the scriptures mm-hmm. in Hebrews, it says, keep your eyes on Jesus who despised the shame and kept focus on the joy mm-hmm. ahead of him. You know, so we have to focus on the joy. So he endured the suffering for the joy that was set before him. Mm-hmm. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Dr. Bob Schutz. I certainly enjoyed having it with him. You know, when we stopped rolling, I got the chance to ask him, okay, so who did Sacrilegious send you? That's the big question we're asking everybody this season. And the good folks at Sacrilegious sent Dr. Bob Schutz St. Dymphna socks along with some St. Joseph socks. They were lovely and awesome. He was super excited to get the package. And we are super excited that Sacrilegious is sponsoring this season of Ave Explores. And they're giving you an awesome code to be able to get a discount just use Ave 10 on the Sock Religious website for 10% off your whole order, whether that's socks, their coffee mugs, their amazing Catholic t-shirts, or even some of their fun kids sticker products. You can find all of that over at SockReligious.com. The work that they're doing is unique and original, creating amazing Catholic products for you to wear, for you to talk about, for you to share, and most especially for you to buy so that you can support the awesome folks who support this podcast. We're super grateful for their sponsorship. Check them out at SockReligious.com and use code AVE10 for a discount. All right, back to the show. What are the areas of healing that you're finding more, I mean, without revealing people that show up at the center, but as people are listening to this, you know, they're reading this book, there's kind of common areas where folks are dealing with shame, where they're dealing with suffering, where they're dealing with pain and hardship. What do you, what do you find are the most common these days? And I almost kind of feel like I read, you know, there's generational wounds, there's generational issues that different people are dealing with. I know I look at my own parents and I think, okay, well, this is what you were confronting in your childhood. And so then this is what I then confronted in my childhood. And I don't want to pass that on to my kids who, of course, are growing up in a COVID world with a mom and dad who had to navigate everything we never expected to navigate. What what are you finding is most common these days? Like the issues that people are really starting to struggle with. And I think confront, I feel like the taboo about confronting it is largely being lifted. What, what are you seeing? Yeah. I think on the immediate, I think the, the COVID is bringing people to a place of isolation, which is drawing deeper loneliness, abandonment, pain. I think there's also a, a pervading fear that we're experiencing in our culture. And in that fear, 
I think it it draws on other fears. You know, the scriptures talk about the fear of death being the greatest fear that we all have to face. And, you know, in Christianity, we have the confidence of the resurrection. But, you know, there's still for all of us a fear of being sick, a fear of dying, a fear of losing control, all of those kind of things. And so it's going through that fear. But in our time, I also think we have a tremendous amount of confusion around sexuality, Mm. around what it means to be a male and a female, the breakdown of the family and the loss of places of security and, and love, tremendous amount of sexual abuse and sexual compulsion. Those are the areas that stand out in my mind. I'm sure there's more. Mm-hmm. In my work with young people, those are the ones that seem to be most prevalent. I mean, we're seeing a consistent, my husband's a biology teacher and he works yeah. very closely with their guidance department because sometimes there's there's teens that you recognize in your class, like, yeah, I'm dealing with this stuff. And it's, it's issue. It's preventing me from actually learning about the Krebs cycle. Like I, and the two things are obviously connected. And and one of the things he and I talk about a lot is how the, the, the sense of I'm not good enough ness that so many young people are dealing with imposter syndrome, I guess would be like the title that we could give that, which of course my generation is facing. And one of the, one of the things that we've often talked about is there's no way to like, look at a teenager, look at anybody and say, yeah, you're good enough. And so that person believes it themselves. It doesn't matter what I say to you. And one of the beautiful things that sister has done in this book all throughout well past week two is people will find is like, all right, we're going to sit in it. And then we're going to look at what God says about that. It's, It's the, what does God say about this? And what does God say about me? That can be really challenging. And, and Lent is especially a good season to help us really dig into that. How, how do you think people will benefit from doing this work, even in just a very you know basic way with the book? Like, how what's the benefit going to be? Yeah, to the extent to which they enter in, it's going to be a tremendous benefit. When we see people's lives literally change, mm. the whole trajectory of their lives change. And so, again, depending on how deep someone goes, because it's one thing to say, okay, I've got this wound and what do I think Jesus would say about this? And that only goes so deep. Mm-hmm. But to the extent to which we enter into and face those things and really hear and experience Jesus' truth and love in those areas, it's totally life-changing. And healing's a process, but there are moments of tremendous grace where we can move from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And I think people, as they walk through this and we're doing it as a ministry and we're doing it as a group. And particularly if you can share it with other people, mm-hmm. you can really go deep and really receive a lot of healing. Yeah. It takes time. There was a, a very big moment in my husband and I's life in, in May of 2017. We lost our jobs. We were six yeah. months pregnant. We just bought a brand new house and now we were unemployed. And um, yeah. I remember going to my spiritual director who was like, okay, well now you need a therapist. Like <laughs> you definitely need somebody <laughs> professional to psychologically help you handle this. And one of the yeah. first things the therapist said to me was a Jesus cares about your mental health. And nobody had ever really said that to me before. And B this is going to take time. Like you think, Oh yeah. Like one session is going to be good, but there's going to come a day where you wake up and you're going to realize, okay, that wound is no longer bleeding and now there's a scab and eventually there's going to be a scar and it's going to take a while. And it, it just recently, like a couple of weeks ago, I, I like was able to go back to the school and give a talk to the students and realize uh-huh. like all these people that had been there that had done this thing were no longer there. And so, the, and, it, and I could feel it. Like I was like, Oh, this is healing. Like, yeah. this is what this is yeah. like. 
I called yeah. my therapist from the car and I was like, I don't <laughs> care what this charges me right now. Like, I just have to tell you, like, you were right. Like, it took five years, yeah. but you were right. So this is a six week program, almost like a boot camp to get people to the place of I want to do more. What is that next step? They go through this whole book. They, they spend a lot of time in week two thinking about this, this freedom that could come and this freedom of the heart that will lead them to this new life. And they go, I want to go deeper after this. What should they do next? Well, there's, as you said, good therapists, good Catholic and Christian therapists who can help lead it. There's good spiritual directors. People are interested. We have, I mean, it's what our whole ministry is about, is providing resources and conferences for people, books and, and workbooks and talks and those kind of things and podcasts. So that's really what our mission is. You know, it's mm -hmm. sisters, a big part of that mission of, here are the resources that we need to help us walk down this path. Mm -hmm. You know, there, the other thing is friendship. It's a beautiful thing when, you know, we're working with different groups of priests and religious and bishops and marriages, when they can have community mm -hmm. where it's not just, I'm going to a therapist and sharing this with a therapist, or I'm not just going to a spiritual director, but I have a community that I can be real with. Mm. there's a tremendous amount of healing takes place, particularly if there's a focus around healing, you know, yeah. so that's what we design our books and our workbooks and our conferences to be able to be shared in that kind of process. Mm -hmm. And that's what this Lenten study is, you know? It's yeah. My husband and I are doing the book together and like Cho of all the Lenten offerings, which there are many, we were like, it might dredge up some stuff, but it's a good dredging. Like we both go to therapy. We go to counseling together. Like this is a good thing that can can maybe, you know, in the long run, be fruitful for our family. Kind of zooming out for, for just this little last part of our conversation, Lent in general, right? There's the focuses of prayer and fasting and almsgiving. Which one do you think people avoid the most? Or maybe which one do you avoid the most? And, and how is this particular book really inviting us to embrace those themes of talking to the Lord, of, of removing things from our life and of trying to, I'm going to use the word generosity. We haven't used it yet, but to be more generous where the Lord is asking of us, which, which area do you think folks need to focus on the most as they do this work? That's hard to answer. Cause I, <laughs> I, even in my own life, I think there's levels of each of them. I, you know, as I've gone through so many years of Lent, I'm a, mm -hmm. you know, 60 some years of Lent, I find myself going deeper in each of those areas, you know, so I think Lent, like exercise, you keep stretching. So I think if you haven't fasted, fasting is a challenge. Mm. But then once you begin to fast, it's a joy. It's just this freedom, you know, you, know, you experience the freedom of fasting. Prayer is always a growing process, you know, just like any relationship, communication is a growing process. So I think it's difficult for us, as we pray and getting into the habit of prayer, if we haven't had a good habit of prayer to develop that habit. But then again, there's a joy that's in that kind of communion in prayer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's wherever level, we don't force ourselves, just like exercise, you don't force yourself to run a marathon when you can only run a mile. Mm -hmm. And so same with prayer is we're fasting. You, you begin where you're capable of beginning in a way that's going to stretch you, but not discourage you. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing with almsgiving, you know, it's generosity is, you know, the theme in lots of different ways, but how do we learn to move from our self-centeredness to care for the people right in front of us and then care for the people around us? And again, there's a tremendous joy there, but there's always a suffering to get to that joy. You know, there's always a, 
a struggle to get from where we've been to where we want to go. But I think if we can keep the joy in, in front of us, that there really is tremendous joy in Lent as we work through those areas. Yeah. Because we know what's coming, right? Like it's not forever Lent. It's uh I have a four and a half yeah. year old daughter and we were we were talking about what we're giving up as a family and and we're doing some pretty distinct things. You know, we're giving up desserts as a family except on Sunday and you're not going to bake cookies every week. No, like we're giving that up. You know, I like to yeah. bake, you like to eat. We're not, we're not going to do this thing. And, and it's, and I think in her little mind, this is going to be forever. And I can't yeah. wait for her to see the end of it. Be like, Nope, the cookies are back. Like Jesus is risen. We have, and we've arrived on the other end. Maybe like we realized we were too attached to the cookies. And so now we need to kind of limit those in our life in a different way. So it's, it's, you're right. Yeah. There's joy on the other side. But there's also joy in the midst of it. I think yeah. at least that's what I've experienced over. It's like different foods. I, I found that when I was fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays a while back, I'm at an age now where I don't do it as severely as I did. But I found those were my most joyful days mm. when I was fasting. And mm. when I'm giving and I'm really stretching myself and giving, there's yeah. joy in that giving. Yeah. When I'm entering into prayer, there's joy in that prayer. So it's not just the joy of Lent over, right. but it's the joy of experiencing the, that experience of communion and life in the middle of it. And I yeah. think people experience it through this restore, not at the end, but all the way through. Through, yeah. It's such a it's such a great gift of a book. Thank you for talking with us about it. And I know we've got you joining us for one of our Instagram lives, I believe, to, to really dig into this a little bit more. So I'm sure folks are going to love that. Where can we follow you and where can we listen to that podcast that you have? John Paul II Healing Center. It's jpiihealingcenter.org. I believe the ministry has a Facebook and Twitter, <laughs> but I don't do any of that myself. And our podcast is restoretheglorypodcast.com. So we just focus on different themes of healing mm. in the podcast. It's, it's we're so good. We're doing one I right now on leadership and healing, and it's been, yeah. it's just been really good. I was driving back from Baton Rouge yesterday, and, and you guys and Mike Berbiglia. So I was going back from comics to healing, back and forth <laughs> over the course of my two-hour drive. It was uh, it was a bit stark in my brain, but it was good. I was laughing. <laughs> I was crying. It was all it was all excellent. So That's a good mix of... It was. It was a great mix. It was a good mix. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Katie. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. One of the things that I really appreciated about this conversation with Dr. Bob Schutz was that I found his demeanor to be incredibly calming. He's, a, he's an amazing guy to get to visit with, to pick the brain of, to really look into his insights, but especially to learn about what healing is and what healing is not, but what freedom is and what freedom is not. You know, freedom from our wounds is not immediately forgetting about every hardship that we've ever faced. Freedom within the woundedness that we have and that we find healing in, that freedom allows us to, to move and to live another day, essentially. Freedom that allows us to, to step into circumstances and situations and places that perhaps would be hard if healing had not been found. But that ultimately that healing... That restoration that we've been talking about this entire Lenten season that cannot be found on our own. That freedom cannot be purchased from Walmart for $9.95. That freedom can even just be learned in a 40-minute podcast conversation. But that freedom within our healing experiences is something that's meant 
to take a little bit of time because we invite Christ into the process and Christ often works very slowly and very diligently and very purposefully. I think, if anything, this gives me some hope that the slow work of Christ and the slow healing that occurs in our life, the restoration process is not an overnight renovation. This isn't a a quick flip that HGTV can throw into a 30-minute episode. This is a long process within our hearts, within our minds, within our souls that we have to invite Christ into. So I hope Dr. Bob Schutz's insights give you a lot to chew on, a lot to think about as we step into the second week of Lent. Of course, journeying with Sister Miriam James and the words that she wrote in Restore. You can grab a copy of that at AveMariaPress.com if you haven't already. Of course, continuing to listen along to this podcast and dig into those themes. We hope you join us on Monday of this week for an Instagram live conversation over on Ave Maria Press's Instagram page at Ave Maria Press at 1130 Central Time. We'll be sitting down with host of Ave Spotlight, Chanel Shaw. We'll be chatting with her about what she does during the Lenten season and how we can specifically help young people in the Lenten season find healing and restoration in their lives. So join us on Ave Maria Press's Instagram page on Monday. And of course, the recording will be up on our Facebook, our YouTube, our Vimeo, and our Instagram pages after the fact. Next week, we have another awesome episode coming. I hope you stick around for that. We hope you subscribe, maybe even sign up for our weekly emails at AveMariaPress.com. You won't miss anything if you get those weekly emails coming to you on Sundays. So join us there and keep joining us this Lenten season. Know of our prayers and we'll see you soon. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.